Um, so my name is Brittany Webb, and I've been serving as the co-chairman on the Youth Pastor Search Committee for the last seven months. Um, also on our committee serving is Terry Russum, who's our chairman, um, Jerry Flint, Daryl Burnett, David Dabbs, Penny Ray, and Leanne Davis. So if any of you guys are here at this moment, would you please stand so that we may recognize you? No, stand, stand. <laughs> I just want to say thank you um, to the committee for all of the hard work that you've put in um, over these last seven months. It's been a long process, but it's been very rewarding um, to get to the point we're at now and just to be able to get to know you guys. And also thank you, church, um, for praying for us over this time. It's been, like I said, difficult, but um, rewarding all at the same time. And we have definitely been able to fear, feel your prayers. Um, so upon our first meeting, uh, first meeting as a committee, our goal was to set a list of qualifications that we would require of our next youth pastor, which mainly were that he be married, be younger in age to keep in step with all of these teenagers, that he have a formal education in Christian ministry, and, the, and also that he have experience serving as a youth minister in another church. So we started on our journey <clears throat> by looking at many resumes and deciding whether or not each of these candidates met our qualifications. If they did, we would move further in the process. Our second step was to send out a timed questionnaire that consisted of roughly 20 questions. We would contact these candidates to see what the best time was to send the questionnaire, and then they would have an hour and a half <clears throat> to complete it and send it back to us. Once we received the questionnaire, we as a committee would meet and discuss their answers and whether or not to move forward with these candidates. The third step was to have a video interview or an in-person interview if the candidate lived close enough. We required that at least three committee members be present for each interview and administer additional questions to each candidate. Each interview was recorded so that if a committee member could not be present, they would be able to listen or watch to keep in step with the rest of the committee. After each interview, we would meet together and discuss the candidates and whether or not they would be a good fit for our church. If the committee all came to complete agreement on one candidate, meaning one candidate had a yes from each of us seven committee members, then we would recommend them to the pastoral staff. If we could not agree on one candidate, then we would start our process over again. We now are excited as a committee to come before you in complete agreement of a candidate that has not only met our qualifications but exceeded them. We were not looking for someone who simply just met the qualifications, but also who would be passionate about our youth. Someone who would not just be there on Sundays and Wednesdays to teach our youth, but who would invest in them by going to eat lunch at their school, going to their sporting events and plays and band competitions. Someone that would be intentional in discipleship and teaching them to make disciples and be missions-minded. We wanted someone who would grow the youth spiritually and show them how to live lives on fire for Jesus. But most importantly, we just wanted God's will to unfold in his timing. We believe through much discussion and prayer that God has now led us to this candidate, so now, without further ado, would you all please join me in welcoming the candidate to serve as our next youth minister, Mr. Blake Appleby. How am I supposed to follow that up? <laughs> hey, if you have a Bible, John 14 is where we'll be this morning. John chapter 14. My name is Blake Appleby, and um, I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Meredith. You'll meet her. She is the better half. Um, I love her so much, and she'll be in the second service. We have two boys, Micah and Wade, and I have a, a daughter. Uh, she's my little sugar boo. Uh, her name is Kate, 
And um, those, are, those are three prayer requests in my life, is uh, my, my three kids. Um, but I'm so grateful just to stand here today. Um, I'm grateful that God has sovereignly orchestrated this moment. And it is something that I, I never in my life or in my mind saw coming. Um, but it, that's how you know God's orchestrating things, because usually he will surprise you and shock you on many levels. So I'm just grateful just to be here right now. I'm grateful for this moment. I'm grateful for what I believe God has in store. Um, John chapter 14 is a message that is heavy on my heart <clears throat> based on um, not just who I am as a person in Christ, but just the, the past season of my life, just trusting and listening and leaning into the voice of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's what we so desperately need in our day to day. Um, as a 16-year-old, I was playing drums at a youth camp. I was in the worship team. Um, a long story short, <clears throat> I noticed my friend down here broke his arm. Um, I broke my arm as a middle school student several weeks before basketball tryouts. And to be honest with you, that sent my entire world spinning out of control because I really wanted to play basketball. I was a skateboarder. All right, and I wanted to play basketball primarily because I think it could up my game. Um, because people were always just looking at me weird, like skateboarder guy. I'm like, maybe I can play basketball. I'm tall. This can all work out. So I was conditioning. I was getting ready for basketball. On a Friday afternoon, I was playing in PE flag football, and my best friend um, took flag football to a contact sport. And both of us were running in the same direction and collided with each other at the same time. I fall straight to the ground, land on my left arm, breaking my ulna and my radius. Ultimately, not to allow me to try out for the basketball team. I did try out for the basketball team. I just didn't make it. Um, my youth pastor came up to me during that time with a giant, I had a huge red cast on my arm. And he said, would you be interested in playing drums in our middle school ministry. I heard you get a drum set for Christmas. And I'm like, yes, man, like, let's try this thing. So long story short, um, that opportunity, just that statement in my life just gave me a, a huge love for, for worship ministry, gave me a huge love for um, not skipping church on Wednesday nights to skateboard with my friends, but to actually be in church to play drums. It's crazy how all that was orchestrated. As a 16-year-old, I was brought to a youth camp, and we were, I was playing drums at that camp, like with the worship team. On a Thursday night, a man named Mike Grover is preaching Isaiah 53, and the voice of the Holy Spirit is, I mean, he is speaking just as you would hear me right now. I mean, it was as close to audible as, it wasn't audible, let's just clarify that, just clarify that. It was not audible, but it was as close as you can imagine. And I remember going to the, the very front when I should have been sitting behind the drum set. And just repenting of my sin. Just being like, I don't, I don't know the Lord. I know so much about him. 
My parents have taught me since I was young. I mean, I'm, I'm playing, I'm literally behind the drum set every week playing songs to the Lord, and I don't know him. And I love this, that Jesus never brings up your sin just to shame you. He never brings up your lostness just to shame you. It's his kindness that brings you to repentance. And I remember just falling down at that altar and just saying, Lord, I believe. I believe. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. And I believe. And it was in that moment on Thursday night in youth camp that Christ saved me. On a Friday night, the following night, you want to talk about the craziest week of my entire life. On a Friday night, you know, I got saved as a teenager and so many of my friends, of course, were, were teenagers. And I just kept hearing the Lord and I just kept speaking to the Lord. And I said, look, I want to see what happened in my life on Thursday night over and over and over and over and over again. I, I mean, I know adults can be saved, hallelujah. Um, but for me, if you don't know what my bread and butter is, it's just seeing young people realize that God is who he says he is. And he's going to accomplish everything he says he will. And they too can repent and believe the gospel. They too can experience life and freedom in Christ Jesus. So for me, I'm just a guy that says, if Jesus can do it for me, he can do it for you. If Jesus can hit a moving target like me, if Jesus can hit somebody who I would just, as blunt as I can be, I'm pretty blunt, I mean, that's just who I am, but if Jesus can take someone who is so trapped in, the, in, in religion, so trapped in uh, just modifying a behavior so trapped in just being polished and finally coming to the point where it's like, Lord, I have nothing to give and I have nothing to bring but myself. And he still accepts and he still says, look, this love is for you. This grace is for you. This mercy is for you. I just believe it's my responsibility and it's my privilege to tell the world that, to tell our city that, to tell our county that, to tell our state that. Because if Jesus could save me, I promise you this, he'd save anybody. And his desire, just so we're clear, is to save everyone. It's his desire. His blood is sufficient for everyone, not just a few. He doesn't see you like a bag of Skittles and chooses the red and throws away the rest. No, everybody. Everybody. That's who he is. So, so John chapter 14, just a message that's been on my heart. Um, I've entitled this message, Goodbye Someday. Goodbye Someday. Now, why would you say that? Because of this right here. I love the sport of baseball. Honestly, for those of you who play softball, I'm not good. I just love to watch baseball. My team is the Atlanta Braves. Um, I think that's just America's team, but I love the Atlanta. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love the Atlanta Braves. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with my grandmother. Um, I just remember watching the Braves with her all the time and with my grandfather, and just loving that. And they're, the Atlanta Braves are my team. You know, it's been a while since we've been in the World Series, but there was a team recently that showed up in the World Series that it took 108 years for them to get there. That's longer than every single one of us in this room have been alive. And it's the Chicago Cubs. Now, Nike came out with a commercial entitled Goodbye Someday, and it's this young man who's in a baseball field all by himself and he's throwing the ball up, and he's hitting it, and he's just envisioning and pretending like the Cubs are winning the World Series. I mean, I love just the creativity and the mind of a, of a child where they can just 
see and envision, you know, the Cubs winning the series, and he's just running the bases and just pretending like he hit a home run, and he's like, Cubs win, Cubs win. And at the end of the commercial, those two words, goodbye, someday. It's a Nike commercial. And the reason why it's goodbye someday is maybe just maybe for the Chicago Cubs, they probably thought someday would never come. They probably thought the, the World Series, I mean, especially for their fans, they probably thought that's just wishful thinking. But there was an actual day that they could say goodbye to someday and hello to right here and now. And this is what I want to remind us of. I believe this deep down in my soul that you and I can say goodbye to someday. Everything that we read in, in the Bible, we don't just have to, yes, when we speak of heaven, we say someday. But everything that the Lord wants to do, we don't have to say someday, we can say today. We don't have to say someday to freedom, we can say today to freedom. We don't have to say someday to forgiveness, we can say today to forgiveness. And if you're asking, how in the world is that possible? It's the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I firmly believe this, that everything that he has accomplished, everything that we see him do in the New Testament, is what he wants to do now. I really do believe that. So join me. I want to get to the text. Join me in John chapter 14. <clears throat> Listen to verse 12. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. I'm sorry, i got to get my glasses. <laughs> Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And here is such a profound verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Let's pray. Lord, we so desperately need your help right now. Lord, we need to hear Lord, we need to see. Lord, so I ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our ears. Lord, I pray that it would not be the words that I say, Lord, but ultimately, Lord, I pray your words would come out of my mouth. I pray that you would, just as you withhold water from hitting at a certain point on the shoreline, I pray that you would pull back words that don't need to come out of my mouth. Because at the end of the day, we desperately need you to do something right here and right now. So I ask that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Interesting thing. When I was studying this passage, um, it's real important that you don't just take four or five verses and just proof text them. But you should actually like <laughs> read the entire chapter, possibly the entire book. I would encourage you to do that. Um, but John chapter 14, it begins in a very interesting way where Jesus, red letters, is speaking to his disciples, and he says this, don't let your heart be troubled. 
Now, that begs the question, why are their hearts troubled? I would say this, Jesus soon would go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. Okay, for these disciples, they had walked with him, they had talked with him, they shared life with this man. So, yes, they knew that he would go to the cross, but that was troubling their heart. That was weighing down their heart, just knowing that their, their Lord, their, their friend, their companion, their guide, their discipler, he is the one who's about to go die for the sins of the world. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And he gives them some promises. He gives them some encouragement. I love how Jesus will never say, don't let your heart be troubled without giving you a reason why. He's not just saying things just to say things, but he accompanies it with even more truth. So he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I'm willing to, to risk this right now. I really am. Um, some of you just got real nervous. My entire life, you know, when I read this verse, I just got so infatuated with the fact that Jesus is a, is a, is a builder, like a, like a mansion builder. But I believe the, the more we look at the entirety of this chapter, I don't think Jesus is just necessarily talking about going and, and building a, a mansion for us in heaven. I think it was even more so that he was actually going to prepare a place for us at the cross, a place in which God's holy wrath would be satisfied. All that wrath would be poured out on Jesus. It's in that place that he would prepare a place for us. It's in that place that he would actually go to a tomb. It's in that place that he would actually come back to us, return to us. So I believe ultimately their hearts are troubled because of the cross, but Jesus is encouraging them that the cross is not something that should necessarily trouble you. It's something that should encourage you because that's where you're going to find life. But for the disciples, it's, it's this moment where they're like, okay, you're going to the cross to die for the sins of the world, to die for our sins in our place. You're going to be placed in a tomb on the third day. You're going to walk out of that thing. You're going to ascend to heaven. You're going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. But what now? What now? And this is it. He says, I'm sending you. This is good news. I'm sending you the help that you need. The, the help that you need is, is the source of power. If you're a note taker, that's the first point. Is the source of power, which is the Holy Spirit. He did not leave us with nothing. He left us with the Holy Spirit. For the apostles, he, he gave them the Holy Spirit. For us today, he has given us the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. Our hearts may be troubled. We just might be wondering, how are we going to get through this week? How are we going to get through this day? And I'm here to remind you, it's not you. It's not anything you can do. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the help. He is the source. He is the one that God has given us, the gift that God has given us. Now, verse number 16 
He says, I'll ask the Father, he will give you another helper, another helper. That, that word another indicates one like myself. One like myself who, who will take my place and, and do my work. The, the word helper, the word comforter, or the word helper is, is translated comforter or advocate. Okay, this is so good. I hope you hear this. Think about the word comfort. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, which means this. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and he sets a fortress around us. Comforter. Come fort. He comes alongside of us and sets a fortress around us. I'm here to tell you, he is your help. He is your source. He is the, the only... He's a person. The Holy Spirit... I mean, I needed some students in this room. You've got to hear that. I needed somebody to tell me that. Because my entire life, I'm thinking the Holy... I'll be honest with you. As a teenager, I thought it was like a force. Or an it. Like, I need, I need more of it. No, the Holy Spirit is a person because you can't grieve an it. You, you can grieve a person. So the, the source that we need in our lives today and in this present moment is the Holy Spirit. That He is the answer. He is the one who comes alongside of us. He is the one who is assisting us. Um, a great teacher of the Bible, his, his name is Francis Chan, and he wrote a book called Forgotten God. And the entire book is, is based on the fact that we have forgotten the Holy Spirit. We've forgotten the Holy Spirit. I have a friend that would say this. Um, he says, there's a missing person report in our churches, and it's the Holy Spirit. This is a missing person report. Some of you remember seeing the missing person reports on milk? <laughs> I didn't remember that. I just remember hearing my dad talk about it. <laughs> but I, I really do believe this, that the missing person report in, in churches all across our nation, all across our world, is, is the Holy Spirit. I, I really do believe that. that there's, there's almost like an Amber Alert that's going out. <laughs> missing, 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 missing. And we need him. So desperately we need him. The Holy Spirit is a person, and I want to explain a few things of what, he, what the Holy Spirit does as our source. Listen, he's, He is our source. He's not just a... I mean, he, uh, listen, He's everything we need. As a church, as, I mean, I've been in student ministry for about 10 years. I can just stand on my feet and say this right now. Like, we don't need better programming. We need the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you, you don't need me. You need the Holy Spirit. We, we need to hear His voice. We need to do what He says. We need to be sensitive and surrendered to everything that He says. And then and only then will we see great things happen. <laughs> then and only then. So he, he is the source for us. But this is what He does. The Holy Spirit, He communicates I don't know if you've ever been reading your Bible and you've actually experienced the Holy Spirit 
clarifying something for you. He clarifies things. He commands. He convicts. Hello. You know what the Holy Spirit often tells me? Not cool. To be honest with you. Not cool. If, if there is a moment, which there are, if, if there are moments when, when my life is not reflecting Jesus, it's really that simple. Not cool. The moments where, where my attitude or actions don't reflect the fact that I have been purchased and redeemed by Jesus. The Holy Spirit cares so much about me. Jesus cares so much about me that he wants me to hear his voice. So he convicts us. He, he, he clarifies. He, ultimately, he's conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Day after day, moment after moment, hour by hour, minute by minute, he is conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you one thing that means the world to me, especially right now, is he comforts us. Have you ever just had that moment in your life when even what your spouse would say, it's just like, I hear you. Uh, what a friend could say, I, I hear you. What your parents might say, I hear you. But when the, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you through his word, and it's as if he, you have been wrapped in the arms of Jesus, it's as if every false thing that the enemy has put in your mind, every distraction that the enemy has put in your mind, like it's, it's redirecting you, fixing your eyes on Jesus, fixing your eyes on truth. Like, that's, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're so, he's so active in, in our lives. If, if we'd be sensitive and surrendered, we would realize how active he is. So get this. The, the source of power, which is the Holy Spirit, it will lead to signs of power. Verse, let's look at this. Let's start in verse 12 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these Will he do because I'm going to the Father? L listen, let's, let's just clarify something really, really quick. Um, greater works. You have the source, which is the Holy Spirit, which leads to signs. Which, let's just say it this way. There's going to be proof. Like the Holy Spirit he is way too powerful for us just to go through life on our own strength, for us just to go through life doing our own thing. He's way too powerful for that. He's way too powerful for that. So when he says greater works, listen, th this is not saying, I mean, greater works. Like, think about what Jesus did. Think about that. Like, water into wine, feeding of the 5,000, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, the blind to see, all this kind of stuff. It's not greater when it comes, like, from a miracle standpoint. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but at lunch today, you can't turn your water into, we're Baptist, grape juice. You can't do that. You can't do that. Young people, you can't go to lunch at your school tomorrow with your Lunchable and say, I've got all of you covered today. It doesn't work that way. It's not about miracles. I, I, I have friends that are just caught up on that. 
They're like, man, I'm just going to be able to. I'm like, man, if that was true, you would have been doing it a long time ago. <laughs> Go to the hospitals. Let's fix a lot of things. That's not it. I believe here's our answer. <laughs> John 20 says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when Jesus said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, come on. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now here it is. You and I do not have the power to forgive someone's sin. You can't. I have students come to me all the time. I need my sins forgiven. I'm like, that's Jesus, not me. But that's exactly the point, is that Jesus has given us a responsibility to tell people where they can find forgiveness. He's given us, listen, the Holy Spirit, you want proof that the Holy Spirit is active in your life? You'll talk about Jesus. Proof that the Holy Spirit is, is that you are you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is that you will open your mouth and share the gospel with people. You're not forgiving people, but you are telling people, you are sharing with people where they can find forgiveness. And that forgiveness is found in a person and his name is Jesus. So I'm here to remind all of us this morning, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know who's going to come out of your mouth? Jesus. The source leads to the signs. Now, let's, let's go a step further because... Um, Galatians chapter 5. Are y'all still with me today? I know it's early. Some of y'all are like, man, what in the world is going on? <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temp temperance. That's my King James in my head. Some of you are so proud. Um, <laughs> but there are, do you realize that, like, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. It's a singularity of the fruit, which means this, that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm just going to grab an, an apple of love. I'm just going to love people today. Or today, I'm, I'm going I'm to grab that orange of kindness. It's not, like, it's not, you don't get to select like, what is going to come out of you? You don't get to select, oh, today I'll just be loving. Today I'll be kind. Today I'll be patient. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits. It's all in one. So instead of thinking a basket of fruit, think a fruit roll-up. All right? It's all in one. I know I'm just trying to get this down for some of our young people in here. But, like, it's all in one, which means this. Every single day, you know what should be coming out of us? The source leads to the signs. What are the signs? It's love. It's faith. It's patience. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's anything and everything that Jesus would do. It's his character. It's his nature. And it's those moments in my life when the Holy Spirit's like, not cool, that I'm not living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. The source leads to the signs. Now, okay, so there are things that the Holy Spirit, come on, stick with me, stick with me. There, there are things that the Holy Spirit will release in your life. It's the love, the joy, the peace, all this kind of stuff. But there also are things, attitudes, and actions 
that the Holy Spirit does not release, hear me, he removes. He removes. And it might not be immediately, but I promise you this, I promise you this, take me to the bank on this, he will remove it. Listen to what he says. We just talked about love and joy and peace and all that stuff that gets everybody all excited. <laughs> what about this? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Those are the things in which they have no place in our life if the Holy Spirit has occupied our life. So the source, my friends, leads to the signs. You know, as a youth pastor uh, for so many years, especially in those first couple of years, I would get, I would get frustrated because I wouldn't see just a pursuit in the life of students. I would be like, how do you not? Like, how do you continue to live that way? How do you? I mean, I would get so frustrated. I'm just being, I mean, honestly, I was so frustrated. And the Holy Spirit reminds you, you're not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but here's just the only way I know how to say it. If I put a glove down here on the ground, and on the other side of this stage, there was a rake, just imagine where you are sitting is a lawn full of leaves. I can come over here to the glove and I could say, get the rake and get to work. Now, if that glove got up and went to work, we'd probably have a little bit of problems. I'm just being honest with you. You'd probably be wondering, all right, who is this guy? But it's not going to move. It's not. It's not going to just pick up the rake and go do work. What the glove needs is it needs to be filled. Which means I'm going to have to put my hand in the glove, pick up the rake, and get to work in the yard. The source leads to the signs. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what's, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be love. There's going to be kindness. There's going to be gentleness. There's going to be faith. There's going to be everything that is reflective of Jesus. There's going to be things removed from our lives because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He's active and at work in our lives. The source leads to the signs. And finally, is the solution for power. The solution. So you have the source, which is a person. He's the Holy Spirit. Leads to the signs. Greater works than these you will do. But here's the solution. If we, if we want to see the source and the signs, there is, in fact, a solution. And it says this in verse six, or 16 or excuse me, 13, I'm sorry. 
Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's a verse many people are going to highlight. Primarily because their first impression of that verse is selfish, self-seeking, self-satisfying, fleshly. Because they're like, I will do it. Like, as if God is your pinata and you can just beat him with your prayers and beat him with whatever you want to get what you want. That's not it. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your life is going to be in alignment, in agreement with what God wants. Which means this, if you come before him and you ask him, and you're in alignment with him, where... I know you've been going through the Sermon on the Mount where you can say this, it's not my kingdom, it's not my will, it's not my desires, it's not, it's not, I'm not self-seeking in this. I want to see you glorified. If, if you can come into agreement with him, listen, if it glorifies God, Jesus can do it. And he will do it. He, he will do anything and everything that brings him glory. So the solution is really alignment. It's just saying, and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be alignment. We will say, look, God, what it, what it, whatever you want, that, that's what I want. My natural desire is not that. But because the Holy Spirit is in me, I hear his voice. He's teaching me. He's correcting me. He's comforting me. He's convicting me. I'm in alignment with you, the, the answer, the, the solution is submission. It's just being sensitive and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. If we align ourselves with God in our asking, He will act. In our asking, we are asking for that which brings God glory. That's really it. The source leads to the signs. And the solution is our submission. That's scary. If you think about it. Because guess what? It's whatever he wants. I'm reminded of a story I conclude with this. This is one of those preacher stories, by the way. Um, Reminded of a story about a community where only ducks lived. Some of you are already like, he's a youth pastor. Um, (laughs) Only ducks lived in this community, and all the ducks were waddling down on a Sunday morning to the duck church, right? Just get this envisioned in your head. They walk into the duck church, they, you know, they get their duck bulletin, duck church bulletin. The the choir's quacks a few songs from the duck hymnal, you know, the duck worship leader, you know, he, he leads the duck congregation and, and congregational duck singing. The duck pastor quacks from the, the Bible. He tells his congregation, ducks, 
God has given you wings to fly. And all the ducks quacked, amen. And every single one of them waddled home. You know, it's real easy for us to amen things and highlight things and write things down when we're in the house of God. But I'm here to tell you, God doesn't want you just to waddle. He wants you to fly. He really does. He wants you to say goodbye to someday. The source is not you. The source is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, he has filled you, he has occupied all spaces and all places of your life, you will see signs. You will ultimately see the sign of Jesus in your life. And the solution is surrender. For those of you in this room, hear me real straight. For those of you in this room that don't know Jesus, that voice you hear inside of you, that's convicting you, listen, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit. Hear his voice. Listen to him. Because what he's telling you is better than what you're telling yourself. He is, he is the source that you need so desperately in your life right now. For those of you who are believers in this room, my fear for us is that we have grieved the Holy Spirit. And if we have grieved the Holy Spirit, our response is to repent. Okay? For those of you who don't know the Lord, our response, guess what? It's, it's to repent and to believe. So each and every one of us in this present moment can say goodbye to someday. And hello to what God wants to do right now. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit and how he is active. Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive. I pray that we would be surrendered. Lord, I pray for any person in this room under the sound of my voice that does not know you. I pray today that they would turn to you that they would repent of their sin and believe the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.